So I have some announcements for you guys, talking about some small groups. If you guys are not involved and would like to be, um, Keenan is helping people um, find their place and signing up at this table right outside here. So if we'd like to just get you to share some contact information, if you want to be part of some of these small groups. Um, after the service, every Sunday night, Stephen is doing a small group on Romans. So if you guys are interested in what uh, the Apostle Paul has to say to um, the Romanians, uh, you guys can join that Bible study group. Um, the Pates are doing this uh, Couples Love and Respect Bible Study on Wednesday nights at 6 here at Christ Community Church. So if you guys would like to be involved with that, um, whether you have a significant other or not, uh, that has been here and has been going really well. So please feel uh, welcome to join that. Um, if you guys are at Shawnee State, we have, or getting ready to be, we have a Bible study at Massey Hall at 8 p.m. Um, in room 211. We're going through Luke, just as Dowdy's going through Luke here. Um, and so it's been really good. If you guys want to get involved with that, let us know. And uh, Dustin Cooley's doing a small group over um, basics of Christianity. So I think that's at the Rev House at 7 on Tuesdays. So if you guys want to get involved with that, you know, just see someone that's going to be up on stage today. And uh, I think Holly had something to say. So. Hey, everyone. Thanks, AJ. Um, now that I'm standing up here, I realize I probably should have rehearsed what I was going to say in my head before. <clears throat> Anyways, my name's Holly. Um, I know a lot of you because I'm slightly outgoing and I like to talk a lot. Um, but I just want to tell you guys a little bit about myself and something that I'm going to be trying to do this spring because um, I'm trying to kind of get people to su- support um, Okay, anyways, uh, so I'm 21 years old. For the past three years, I've lived in New York, um, and for two of those years, I went to Word of Life Bible Institute, where I studied literally nothing but the Bible, and I got a lot of great experience up there. I learned a lot, and I love Jesus a lot, and um, anyways, went to another Christian college to play basketball, and now I'm back. Um, but so I'm really glad that I found Rev. I'm going to Shawnee. Um, but, and so I ran into David one day, and I was like, oh, you have a church? Cool, I want to come. So here I am. Um, I play in the worship band. You probably have seen me up there. Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to miss being on stage. But um, this spring, I'm trying to get uh, to go to Honduras on a missions trip. There's a, there's a group of us uh, actually from Shawnee, uh, the Students for Christ. I don't know if you guys uh, have heard about this, but they're, they're not very good at, like, advertising that they're like a thing so I'm going to try and help that become a thing um but we're all going a group of us are going to Honduras anyways I'm selling these t-shirts and they say hope for Honduras and they has a little picture of the country I think they look really cool but that's biased because I designed them um so yeah they cost I think like uh uh, like $25 with shipping and handling or something like that. Um, but if any of you guys are interested in just helping me out, because um, I'm just trying to raise enough money to cover my plane ticket. Like, everything else, like, I'm taking care of. Um, I work down at Coffee at the Loft, so, ooh, any of the, any of the tips that we get, this is going straight to that fund. So it's exciting uh, stuff, yeah. But, so, yeah, if you guys are interested in, like, buying a shirt or anything, please, please, please come talk to me and say, hey, let me see a picture of this shirt. If this looks cool enough, oh, I might buy one. Or if you're like, oh, hey, I don't have that much money, but here's five bucks, I would say, hey, 
thank you. And if nothing else, if you're a poor college student, that's totally fine. If you're just like, hey, Holly, like, I don't have any money, but I would love to pray with you or for you for your trip, that really means more than anything because there's power in prayer, and God is good, and God will do work no matter what. So that is all. Back to Kelly. Woo! So if you could support Holly with either money or uh, prayers, she would love that. And we would love that, too. Um, so if you guys want to get up and gather, or not gather, but mingle. Um, I don't know why I did the quotes either. But uh, just shake hands with somebody, get to know each other. Um, let's talk about uh, siblings. If you guys have siblings, let's just, you know, just, that's, I don't know, that's a stupid one. But um, just say, you know, I'm an only child, or I have a few brothers, and just tell each other about your home life, where you grew up. Go. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR as we call them. And, of course, my red-hot smoking wife, Carly, who is a stone-cold fox. Mm. Also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, we... um, you know, sweetie... Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. <sighs> your tiny Jesus, your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist pawing. He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus 
like with giant eagle's wings yeah. and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band. Hey, Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet. Just a little infant, so cuddly, mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Ow! Love that money that I have accrued over this past season. Also, due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace, I just want to say the Powerade is delicious mm. and it, it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. 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 Let's dig in. Hell, was a hell of a grace, man. You nailed that like a split hog. I appreciate that. I'm not going to lie to you. It felt good. Some of you are wondering why we use Talladega Nights to open up this sermon, I am sure. That movie is hilarious. I, I love it. We had to edit the scene a little bit, so some of you picked up on that. Some of you didn't. Um, but before, it won't make sense here in a minute. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping anyway. Um, who is, let me ask you some questions. Who is Barack Obama? Answer these to yourself. Answer these to yourself. I'm not here to preach politically, but who is Barack Obama? I'm not a birther either. I think he's an American citizen. We're not going down that road. Um, all right, next, who's Paul McCartney? Some of you in this room seriously don't know who Paul McCartney is, and that really makes me mad. All right, uh, who is Dale Earnhardt? Come on, guys, it's Sunday, NASCAR. No one? Dale Earnhardt? Man, I'm brokenhearted. Who is John Calvin? Some of you hate this man's guts, and that's okay. All right, and who's George Colias? None of you know who George Colias is, except maybe me and one other guy in here. All right, but these, all these dudes, they're famous. All right, but who were they? Who are they? You know, people are going to give different answers uh, based on what this person did, what this person said, what others had to say about them. Um, but some are going to be way off in their answers. All right, they're either going to be way off because they know nothing about them. Like, does anyone in this room aside from me and maybe another drummer know who George Goliath is? That's what I thought. I got two people in the back. I don't know if they're liars or not. Uh, <laughs> Right, but, but either either they don't know anything about these guys, or they have some kind of misconception uh, about these famous people because they don't know all the facts. Um, and then other people, like Ricky Bobby, want to blatantly ignore who someone is as a whole person because they prefer parts instead of the whole. Right, like he prefers baby Jesus, not grown up Jesus. He wants a part of this famous person, but not all. Right, but we've asked who all these famous people are, and some of you know, know who they are, and some of you don't. Um, but there's another guy that tops them all, and we're in church, so guess who we're going to talk about? You all went to Sunday school and got a gold star on the felt board. I am super proud of you guys. All right, Jesus, throw them up. These are so bad. <laughs> Right, like the super white, like forget the fact that Jesus was Jewish and probably had short hair and a huge beard. We like Bon Jovi Jesus. Do you see this guy? He could have fronted an 80s metal band. He is gorgeous, right? Right, but Jesus, right? Another guy tops him on, it's Jesus. Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, whatever you want to call him. He is the most famous individual to ever walk the earth ever. 
Right? He's the most influential teacher of all time. 2.2 billion people claim to follow him. I think that that number is way off from who actually follows him. But 2.2 billion people, that's like a third almost of the earth's entire population, claim to follow Jesus. The message of Jesus, who he is, the things that he did, it follows every single continent. It's everywhere. Jesus is even a pop culture reference. I'm not telling you to watch Family Guy or South Park, but I have. And they bring Jesus in there all the time, irreverently, but he is a pop culture reference. Right? His biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are part of the best-selling book of all time, the Bible. But who is Jesus? Right? Most people know, at least around here, most people know that Jesus was this Jewish dude from a place called Nazareth in Israel that taught people uh, how they were supposed to live, and that eventually he was crucified, and these nutcases called called Christians say that he came back from the dead. Um, But did he? You know, did he come back from the dead? What did he teach? You know, was he actually God like these crazy people say that he is? Um, and I actually, I really like to ask people this question. <laughs> like, uh, I, go on, I go to college campus at Shawnee. I don't go there. I'm a dropout, so don't, think that, don't get too proud of me. Um, I go to Shawnee's campus every Tuesday, and I like to pose the question to people whenever I meet them, who do you think Jesus is? And brother, let the freaking good times roll because those conversations can get pretty gnarly, right? Like, like I'm talking like awkward. Like, so awkward. Like, I would rather watch my mom and dad make out while listening to Nicki Minaj in the background than have to deal with some of these conversations. Like, they're so, so bad. Right? Ooh. <laughs> like, these conversations are terrible. I told you I'd get you, Mark. Uh, <laughs> right? But asking people this question, who is Jesus, can get a lot of different reactions from people. Right? Some people will get really angry. Some people will get super defensive. Other people will be, like, really happy that you would ask them that question. Usually they're Christian. Other people approach the, the answer to this question with a lot of reverence. Some people want to learn uh, who he was. Some people want to argue who he was. Some don't care. I've had people tell me I literally don't, I think he's just some dead Jewish guy. It doesn't matter to me. Um, now, I'll tell you this. Most people have an answer. They just don't want to tell you what it is. Like, everyone has an opinion on Jesus. But then again, some people have really never even considered who he is. I would pose this. This is the most important question that we're ever going to answer. So much has been said about Jesus, especially by Christians, right? That if Jesus, if the Christians are right on who Jesus is, then Jesus is all that matters. Everything that he taught is all important. Everything that he did is all important. And it would be really good if Christians would remember that a lot of the time, um, that if he is indeed God, we should revere him like God and obey him like God. Um, But now I'm talking to Christians. Let's flip the gun a little bit. Um, Who is Jesus really? Is the Jesus that we worship actually the Jesus that the Bible shows us? There's a revolutionary concept. Have you guys watched TBN? That kind of new. Uh, don't watch TBN. No one knows what I'm talking about, or you just don't think I'm funny. That is terrible. Um, but what I'm, what I'm going to say is that we tend to make Jesus into our image rather than being conformed to his. Right? And we'll get to that here in a little bit. But we tend to not want Jesus as he really is. We tend to not want Jesus' teachings as they really are. Um, we, we tend to not want to do or not want to accept the things that Jesus actually commanded from us. And in the words of Marilyn Manson in Depeche Mode, have we turned Jesus into our own personal Jesus? Yeah. So let's get to the bottom of it. All right. Jesus demands that we answer this question, and it is all important to us if Christians are indeed right. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 20. Um, it's going to be up here on the projector behind me. If you guys uh, don't have a Bible, we have blue Bibles out there. I'm not telling you to use them right now because they're super, it's super dark. Take that home with you. It's the NLT. It's a really easy-to-read translation. It's our gift to you. Take it with you. Um, but let's see what Luke wrote about Jesus. Verse 18. 
One day, Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. Only his disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, Some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other ancient prophets risen from the dead. Now, what you guys need to know about that is there was just a lot of talk. If, you, if you've read the last few uh, chapters of Luke, I don't know how many of you guys are actually following along, but the question of who is Jesus comes up. Whenever he calms the storm on the sea, the disciples say, you know, who is this guy that the that this wind and the waves will obey him? We see just a few verses up from this in chapter 9. Herod says, you know, people are saying that, that Jesus is John the Baptist, come back from the dead, but I know that I had John's head cut off. Um, some people are saying he's the prophets, like one of the prophets come back. Who is he? This question is just resounding for the last few chapters. Who is Jesus? And then 20, then Jesus asked them, but who do you say I am? And Peter replied, you are the Messiah sent from God. Right? And the King James Version is so much more metal than that. It says, thou art the Christ of God. It's awesome. Some of you guys really need to pick up your King James once in a while. I argue that we should switch from the NLT to the King James because it would make churches around here like us a little bit better. Um, some of you don't get the joke. It's fine. It's cool. We'll keep going. <laughs> I'm a jerk. All right, but... All right, so the first thing Jesus asked is, who do people say that I am? All right, and, and I'll say this, if you're atheist, Muslim, Buddhist, agnostic, Christian, a philosopher, whatever, everyone has something to say about who Jesus is, and Jesus knows that. All right, so I get a couple of responses pretty often whenever I ask someone, who do you think Jesus is? You'll hear these two. One, Jesus was a really good person. He was just a really nice guy. And then the other thing you'll hear is, Jesus was a great moral teacher, all right? And what that, all that boils down to is this. You know, I can get behind Jesus's teaching about love and self-sacrificial love and forgiveness and social justice and the uh, equality of human beings. Um, and who can't? Like, really, like, who can't get behind that? Let's be real for a minute. Like, you'd have to be some, like, sadistic, like, Ted Bundy kind of guy to not be able to get behind that. These are, like, beautiful, godly, righteous ideas, um, But to think that Jesus was only these things is to seriously ignore a huge amount of what Jesus actually said. It is to ignore a huge amount of the things Jesus did. Actually, to say that Jesus is just a good guy or just a good teacher is completely delusional whenever you actually read the Gospels. Right? You're going to have to ignore the core teachings of Jesus, right? And and what are those? If you go to Luke chapter 4, I'm not asking you to, but we've already covered this in the sermon series. Jesus' first sermon ever, he reads a bit from the scroll of Isaiah about the Messiah, that the Messiah is going to come and heal, and he's going to preach good news to the poor, and it's all about this coming Messiah, this promised one of God that is going to reconcile humanity back to God the Father. And then he says, today this prophecy has been fulfilled in your hearing. He says, I'm the Messiah. Just like Peter just declared, I'm the Messiah. I am the one who has come to fix things. In John chapter 8, we see these people having an argument uh, about Abraham and and about Jesus. And Jesus steps in and he says, don't you guys know that Abraham looked forward to my coming? This is like significantly like way back in the past before Jesus was born on earth. And, uh, and, And Jesus says, well, Abraham looked forward to my coming. They say, you're not even 50 years old. Like, are you high? Like, what is wrong with you? And he says, I tell you this, before Abraham was, I am. And Jews didn't say, I am. That's God's name from the Old Testament. Whenever Moses says, you know, who do I tell them sent me? Tell them, I am that I am sent you. So Jesus straight up affirms that he is God, the same God of the Old Testament. Right? We see in Luke and all the Gospels that Jesus has the authority to cast out demons. He has the authority over Satan, over evil. We see Jesus telling people, your sins are forgiven because you've believed. 
Only God has the authority to forgive sins. And then he calls himself the son of man. And people will say, see, he's just telling you he's just another guy. He's just a man. That's actually a reference to Daniel chapter 7. Where it says, like, the son of man will be given all authority, will be sovereign over everything. Everyone will bow at his feet that he is the one coming on the clouds. Right? That that's the title of the son of man. So Jesus is saying every time he calls himself the son of man, I am that guy with all authority and all sovereign power and strength. And then we see him having power over life and death whenever he raises people from the dead. That's something only God can do. So follow me on this. Along with the moral teachings that we have of Jesus and all the nice, good stuff, helping the oppressed, um, we also have Jesus claiming himself to be God, left and right. He claims to be the God of the Old Testament. That's actually why they killed him. They killed him for blasphemy. So to, to deny the fact that Jesus ever claimed to be God and that he was just some good guy is insane. That's why they murdered him. They said that you, a mere man, equate yourself to God. And he never denied it. Because that's what he did. So with that in mind, we really only have three options about Jesus and who he is. Either he was insane, right, to to be this teacher that says all this good stuff and yet think he's God. He had to be crazy, right? And if Jesus was a nutcase, then that calls all of his teachings into question. right? I don't know about you guys, but I'm not going to Shawnee Mental Health to look for a patient to ask him what the meaning of life is. (laughs) Some of you think that I'm a jerk now, but I'm just being honest. Right? But yet we consider Jesus' morality valid and good, so he can't be crazy. Right? Or we get this, the second option, that Jesus was just a flat-out evil liar. Right? So this would make the morality teaching Jesus an immoral man. This would make him a hypocrite that can't be trusted. If he's a liar, then why can I trust anything else that he's taught me about how I'm supposed to live? This calls everything into question. And furthermore, if Jesus was just a liar about being God, he's on level with Jim Jones. Right, the dude that tricked all those people into drinking the Kool-Aid in Jonestown back in like the 90s, I think. I put him on par with him. That puts him on par with Adolf Hitler because untold numbers of people have died because they claim Jesus is God no matter what anyone did. And yet, no one wants to call Jesus evil. No one would call Jesus evil. Even when I was a staunch atheist, I was like, you know, Jesus was a champion of the oppressed. He was all about social justice. I can't call that man evil. But if he was a liar, he must be. Or there's this, he was actually telling the truth. Right? Plain and simple, being a good man and a good teacher harmonize phenomenally with being God in the flesh. Right? So take your pick. Take your pick. If you don't believe in Jesus, take your pick. Those are the only options that you really have. He did not leave us with anything else to really pick from. He's either a liar, a crazy person, or he is actually the son of God. But enough of that. Right? Enough of that stuff. I am going after believers now, so let's put our helmets on. This is going to be a good time. Right, we tend to make Jesus, like, I'm sorry, I just thought of Daniel Tosh. He's like, buckle up, Mormons, this one's going to sting. And then he goes on a rant about Mormons. <laughs> I digress. Um, all right, but we tend to make Jesus into who we want him to be. That's one thing that I see a lot. It's like we isolate one aspect of Jesus and then say, that's all that he is. Right? And in reality, whatever it is that we've isolated about Jesus is all that we want him to be. We don't actually want him to be God and sovereign, and we don't want him to be wrathful, and we don't want him to be merciful towards people we don't like. Right? We, we isolate these one aspects of Jesus and say, that's all that he is. But the Bible portrays Jesus significantly differently than we tend to. All right, so I've, I've noticed personally um, a few different kind of Jesuses. Is that the plural of Jesus? Would it be Jesus? Right, like a fungus, like U.S. becomes fungi. But it's Jesus, I don't know. Again, I digress. These are just thoughts that I'm having while I'm up here. Um, 
Anyway, I got to look at my notes. That was bad. <laughs> All right, but some people uh, here in this church, uh, I've, I've just from talking to people, I've noticed some people maybe buy into some of these different kinds of Jesuses. Um, and the first one that I think is really funny that people want to buy into is the hippie Jesus. Yeah, the buddy Christ. Right? This is the Jesus that is cool with everything. Right, man? Sin doesn't matter. He's the guy holding the free hug sign, wearing the Birkenstock sandals, jeans, and a tie-dye t-shirt. This hippie Jesus looks more like the campus stoner on Shawnee State than the king of, like, the universe. All right? That, that even, if you were, even if you were to reject him your entire life, Jesus will still save you and love you somehow. That Jesus is some kind of a doormat. Right? And he requires nothing from you. He, he requires no discipline from you. That this hippie Jesus doesn't want to change you. Right? You're fine how you are. I'm not saying that he won't take you how you are, but that you're just cool. Just whatever you're dealing with, whatever sin in your life, just keep it up. It doesn't matter. That you should have a private faith. How stupid is that? Right? That you shouldn't make anyone uncomfortable by telling them about hell, the fact that they're sinners, the fact that they were born sinners, that there is no way of escape from eternal punishment aside from faith in Jesus. Hippie Jesus would not want you to do that because that would make people feel weird. Right? This is the Jesus of cheap grace that asks for nothing. That asks us to do nothing to follow him. You know, what, what we actually tend to do, and I'm guilty of this because I'm a stupid sinner, um, we tend to think that God in the Old Testament was mean, right? Like just destroying people and all this other stuff. But Jesus in the New Testament was a pretty nice guy that we can get behind, right? But what if I told you that the God of the Old Testament and Jesus are the same God? Right? That would flip the script a little bit. The Trinity, right? The Father, Son, and Spirit have always existed. None are created. They always have been since before the beginning of time, right? We see in Genesis, whenever God goes to create mankind, he says, let us make man in our own image. Jesus was there. John 1.1 tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's talking about Jesus. This is the same God that has always been, the same God that promises destruction to the wicked, that destroyed entire cities because they wouldn't repent, the God that despises sin, the God that requires blood sacrifice for sin. This is the same guy. We forget that because we're dumb. We forget that God is immutable, which is a big word for unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? So Jesus is the same God that if you touch the Ark of the Covenant with the Ten Commandments in it, you die. He's the same God that if you go into the Holy of Holies in the temple without proper ritual purification or at the wrong time, you die. Because you're a sinner and you can't enter into his presence. You can't approach him. And I'm saying all that so that we can get a better view of Jesus, that Jesus is just as demanding of full obedience and respect as God the Father is in the Old Testament. He's the same guy. He doesn't play. Or he's the same God, not the same person. I'm not trying to get my Trinity theology mixed up. All you people out there with your notes, you're getting ready to throw daggers at me after the service. I see you, right? But what I'm saying is Jesus is definitely not okay with everything that we do. He actually he promises hell to the people who reject him. He declares that we should turn to him and live or reject him and die. You know, but then I'll say this. Um, some people focus so much on this aspect of Jesus as the same God of the Old Testament that just doesn't screw around. right? They focus on that so hard that they chuck his grace out the window. I grew up in this church. I don't know about anyone else here. I grew up at this church. This is the distant, unforgiving, hardcore Jesus. Right? The the Jesus that is only and always demanding obedience with absolutely zero grace for sinners. 
This is where I grew up. Right? And these people in these pockets that people view Jesus as this graceless jerk God that demands obedience and respect without doing anything for us. Uh, these people focus so much on the fact that Jesus is God and that Jesus demands obedience that they, they just forget about the mercy. I know I just said that, but I, they forget about the mercy of God found through Jesus. Right? People that view Christ like this, they view, God, they view him as this God that dangles you over hell with a string, and every time you mess up, he cuts the string. That's just not true. They, they look at God like he should be feared like Saddam Hussein instead of loved like a dad. That's how they view Jesus. Like They focus so much on, on Jesus the judge that they forget Jesus the forgiver of sins. And really what they forget is the gospel. Right? Because neither of these, this hippie Jesus or this super hardcore Jesus, right? Neither of these versions of Jesus really do justice to the Jesus of the Bible. Right? The biblical Jesus says, I hate sin. I hate sin like the Father hates sin because I am always submissive to his will. And it must go, or it must be punished. It cannot go unpunished. I am that righteous. I hate sin that much. But I'm so gracious that I will come to earth, become a man, take what you have done, your sin, on my back, and suffer the, on the cross what you deserve the wrath of God. That's the true balance. That, that Jesus hates sin that much, and yet he would do this for us, you know. And I, I think this is a cool concept. Because he is so righteous and so graceful, we were saved by God, from God, for God. That's always cool. I, I just didn't know if anyone else had ever thought about that. So we should serve him gratefully because of how good he is and how much he demands respect, right? We, we shouldn't make this false dichotomy of you can either have a gracious Jesus or you can have a righteous Jesus. It's not true. The, the true Jesus hits it right in the middle. Right? But then there's this. There's this third kind of Jesus. And this is the last kind of Jesus that I want to talk about until we get to the real guy. Um, is this vending machine Jesus? This is my favorite. Anyone familiar? Like Joel Osteen, Joyce Meyer, like all that Kenneth Copeland, Bethel TV. You guys see that crap posted on Facebook? It is miserable. Right? Now, what I want you to do, this is the Jesus that's going to, he's going to give you what you want, when you want, how you want. Right? So what I want us to do with that in mind, I want on three, everyone to say, ha, ha, ha. One, two, three. Now we're doing it, right? You all just laughed as a family at very stupid theology. I'm very proud of all of you. All right, now, like I said, we're doing it together. Brothers and sisters up in here. That's what we're supposed to be doing, right? This is like the best-selling list that you're going to see in Christian bookstores a lot of the time. Not always, but this is that kind of stuff. That like seven ways to get God to do what you want or whatever. Like it's this view that if you pray the right way or you just have enough faith that Jesus is going to give you whatever you want. Because he totally did that with Paul and everyone else that died for him. Um, it, it, it's, this, it's this Jesus that wants us to be happy. Right? Jesus is here to serve you. You're not here to serve him. He's here to do whatever it is that you want to do. And you can obligate him. If you do the right things, you can obligate him to do what you want. How stupid is that? How is that, any, like, how is that not the exact same as what people thought of Zeus and Aphrodite and all these pagan gods that you can obligate him? That doesn't sound like sovereignty to me. That Jesus of the Bible does as he wills, when he wills. And this stupid view of Jesus, this vending machine Jesus, comes from a consumer culture where we would try to use God for our ends rather than be consumed by God for his. It's a Western thing. It's stupid. 
When, when we view Jesus like this, we make our lives, or Jesus all about our lives instead of our lives all about Jesus. And it's going to cost us nothing. He's just going to give it every. I want an E7, Lord, which is a hot wife, a lot of money, and a new car, which I'm getting one of those here in July. So, yeah. <laughs> that was my brother-in-law. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you, Brandon. I'll get you next week. Uh, but Jesus demands sacrifice from us, right? You're so stupid, Brandon. <laughs> right? But Jesus demands sacrifice from us, right? He never promised us a good life, ever. Right? Actually, he promises the opposite. If, if, if we go back a few chapters in Luke, he says, because of me, because you follow me, you're going to lose friends, you're going to lose family, people are going to take things from you, whether it's emotional, mental, physical, whatever. You might die for me, the community is going to hate you because you follow me. You know, Jesus never promises that we aren't going to be sick. Jesus never promises that people we love aren't going to be sick. Jesus never promises that we won't die, and he never promises that the people around us that we love dearly are not going to die. He never promises anything like that. He never says times won't be hard. He says the contrary. Life is going to get a lot harder if you follow me. I'm not going to give you everything that you want. But he does say this, that he won't leave us. Right? That he's with us. And everything that happens is for our good and primarily God's glory. Everything. Even when it doesn't seem that way. That he's going to give us what we need, right? So I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't care about our needs, right? Because we needed a Savior and we get the cross. And Jesus gives us other promises that he'll be with us even to the end of the age. I'm not saying that he doesn't care about us, but I'm saying it's not about our happiness. Like the people that have this vending machine Jesus idea think that it is. Right? Happiness our way and not joy God's way will surely lead us to destruction. Follow me on this. When did, I'm going to sound like uh, Biggie Smalls in a second. Like when did more money, more women, more fame, more status, more power, whatever, ever make anyone more like Jesus? When? Never. It didn't. It can't because Jesus was hated. He was lonely at times. He was celibate. Right? He was despised. He was looked down on by the population as a whole. And then he was murdered eventually. When did getting everything that we want ever make us more like Christ? And you're not better than Jesus, so you can expect a rough life. I'm not trying to scare anyone off, but Jesus says count the cost if you want to follow him. But here's what Jesus' goal is. Here's what every button on the real Jesus vending machine is going to get you. Um, Something, whether it's trial, suffering, joy, peace, whatever, something that's going to make you more like Jesus. That's the goal of Jesus. After he saves you, is he gives you the Holy Spirit to make you more like Jesus. And then he throws things at you so that you can listen to the Spirit and become more like Jesus. That's the goal. That's what the vending machine's actually going to get you. That's the Jesus of the Bible. So, we've talked about a lot of things that Jesus isn't, right? He's not just a teacher. He's not just a good person. He's not a liar. Um, you know, he's not a crazy person. He's not a hippie. He's not a jerk. He's not a genie in a bottle. Um, Christina Aguilera reference for those of you who were hip back in the 90s. Appreciate that. Um, If he's not all of those things, then who is Jesus really? Who is he really? Here's the beautiful thing. Um, God doesn't leave us uh, to constantly wonder at this thought and, and never be able to come to an answer. He loved us too much to do that. He gives us straight up in Scripture. He has spoken to us and testified to us throughout the Bible who Jesus is. 
I think there's like an epidemic in the church, by the way, where people just won't read their Bible. And then they come up with all these stupid thoughts and stupid views of who Jesus is and get to isolate one little bit about Jesus rather than looking at the eternal, like, being of Jesus that's revealed to us in Scripture. But there's like this epidemic that we don't study Scripture enough. You know, the prophets tell us who Jesus is. The disciples tell us who Jesus is. Paul tells us who Jesus is. Jesus himself tells us who Jesus is if we will listen. Right? John tells us that in the beginning, Jesus was just like God, that he is God the Son, the Word made flesh. We see Peter in Luke saying that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who has come to redeem us, to reconcile us to God. We see Paul saying that Jesus is the propitiation for our sin, the satisfier of God's wrath, that we deserve hell, and Jesus took it for us. And now God has no more wrath and no more anger for any of us that will trust that what Jesus did on the cross was for us and that he came back from the dead and that we will follow him, right? Luke says that Jesus is the forgiver of sins, that he has that kind of authority. Daniel says that Jesus is sovereign over all of creation. James says, behold, the judge stands at the door. Jesus is the judge of all mankind. David says that Jesus is the eternal king and that his rule and reign will last forever. And John says that Jesus is the king coming back in glory and power. Jesus himself calls himself the great I am. The God. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, the life. He is everything. You know, all of these things are who Jesus is. And more. Like, I could not preach enough sermons. That's, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, is try to preach more on who Jesus is until the day I stop breathing. I could not preach to you enough tonight who Jesus is, well, all the facets of Jesus. He is eternal, and I am finite. I'm never going to get all of them. But I can say this. Jesus is everything that we are not. Jesus is everything that we cannot be. But he's everything that we need. Jesus Christ is everything that we need. You need forgiveness? He's the forgiver of sins. You need instruction because you don't know how to live to please God and you don't know what to do. He is the teacher. You suffer injustice? He's the judge. You you need help? You need strength because you don't know how you're going to go on another day? Jesus is the sustainer of the whole universe. He holds it together by by his will and word. You need help? Jesus is a provider. He's the provider. And as a whole collective, we all needed a savior and he became the sacrifice for us to atone for our sins and and give us right standing with God if we'll trust in him. Jesus is the embodiment of every single thing that we hope for. Everything that we need. He is all that is good. He is God. And he decided to reveal this to us by becoming a man by becoming one of us, so that he could die for us and save us. He could have chose to keep himself completely unrevealed to us and make it a mystery and we all go to hell, but he revealed himself and came here for us. So who will you believe Jesus is? Who is Jesus? You have to decide. Doing nothing with it is a rejection of Jesus. You have to do something. I would beg you, Trust Jesus as your Lord. Believe the gospel. Believe that he died in your place for your sin and rose from the dead three days later. And then commit your life to his authority and his sovereignty over everything about you. That's what he deserves. We'll commit our lives to other things that don't actually deserve that kind of a commitment. But apart from whether or not you will do this, Jesus actually still deserves it. He's deserving of all honor and all glory. And he will get that someday. 
You know, but, but if you if you guys want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus, or you want someone to pray with you, um, or explain this gospel, or maybe you're a non-believer, like I used to be an atheist, and, and you and you would ask, you know, how is this possible? How can I trust the Bible? Whatever, come talk to me. I want to talk with you after the service. I want to pray with you. We're gonna have a couple people over here by the couches. They want to pray with you. They want to talk with you too. Um, but what I really want to do, guys, I want us to get a bigger view of Jesus. You know, too often we refuse to give Jesus his rightful title of king. We think that he's some 90-pound wuss like South Park would betray him to be. You know, some kind of pansy, some codependent wuss that needs you. I'm telling you, he wants you, but he needs nothing. He created you because it, it gave him pleasure to create you. He did not need you. The Trinity was totally cool just as the Trinity in the beginning, before the beginning. You were made because he wanted to make you, but he does not need you. Your response to this question, if it's a rejection of who Jesus is, does not affect who he actually is. He calls himself, I am. I am that I am. I will be what I will be. I am what I am, despite whatever you may say about me. He is the king. You know, so before we finish, in light of that, I want us to take a look at something that shows us Jesus in his full glory in two lights, in two different perspectives. You know, I want to see, I want you guys to see what Jesus is going to display at his return, because he has promised to come back for his church. So let's see what, what, what John said in Revelation 19, 11 through 16. He says this about Jesus. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. The armies of heaven, dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. And from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings, Lord of all lords. That's my Jesus. That's Jesus, the King. No one can oppose him. Anyone who rejects him or tries to oppose him or struck down, everyone will kneel at his feet. That Jesus should scare us. Seriously, that Jesus should make us think, right? Because that's Jesus as he displays all of his glory and all of his wrath and all of his righteous anger on those who would reject him. That's Jesus. But then there's this facet of Jesus. There's this one in his full glory yet again. Revelation 21, 1 through 7. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. 
forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit these blessings. I will be their God and they will be my children. That's Jesus. That's Jesus to the people who subjected their lives to him and accepted him as he declared that he was and accepted what the scriptures testified about him and gave their entire lives to him and let him rule over them. That's the kind of love that he has for his people. Jesus is a terrible and an awesome God. I don't mean terrible in, in our bad word. Terrible as in we should, we should have this respect kind of fear for him and all kind of reverence for him. So let's remember that Jesus, right? Let's put away all stupid notions that Jesus will give you what you want or that Jesus is just a hippie or that Jesus is just some hardcore kind of a jerk. Let's put all that away and let's go back to scripture and let's see who Jesus is. And if you do, if you will, you'll see that Jesus is the one true God of the Bible and that he is infinite and that he's probably not who we thought he is. So answer the question, who do you say Jesus is? Let's pray. Father, thank you for for revealing in Scripture who Jesus is. Thank you for being a righteous judge and a graceful God and, and the forgiver of sins and the provider and the sustainer. Thank you for being all of those things for us. We didn't deserve any of it. We deserve to go to hell because we're all sinners. We've all spat in your face, given you the finger and said, we want to worship ourselves. And yet you would give us Jesus. And that you would give us the ability to understand him. And that you would call us to him and save us is insane. God, I I pray that you you would make the fact that Jesus is probably not who we think he is make that thought push us to go search the scriptures to search out who is Jesus really and then bow down to whatever he says bow down to whoever the scriptures say that he is to be conformed to his image instead of trying to make our own personal Jesus in ours Father we're going to worship you now because you are the one true king we're going to worship the Father, Son and Spirit because you are who you are and I thank you for that in Jesus name, Amen